It's time for another episode of the Laura Sanzo Podcast, where we celebrate the world you see. And now your host, Laura Sanzo. to another episode of the Laura Sanzo podcast tonight. I am sitting down with Deborah. Deborah specializes in helping women 35 years and up struggling with all hormonal disruption. I'll just put my hands up. You can't see me, but I'm just virtually putting my hands up and helps them end their struggle with fat loss by addressing the root cause and is the mom of two grown women. And today we're going to look at the world through the eyes of not only this incredible coach, but I'm going to say a survivor and I don't use that word loosely. And so welcome, Deborah. It's so nice to have you. Thank you. It's very nice to be here. I really appreciate you inviting me. Deborah and I had a great conversation. I can't remember, I'm going to say maybe six months ago. Seems like a lifetime ago. Probably wasn't as long as it feels. Yeah. I think there was snow on the ground. That's all I remember. Okay, so we're in Toronto. So that could have been even a couple uh, weeks yeah. ago. <laughs> but we had such a great conversation. And I knew that I wanted Deborah to be part of our second season. So thank you for your time. Oh, my, my pleasure. I, I really respect the work you do. And it's nice to always connect with other like-minded, strong women that are trying to do good for other women. Definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at Deborah's shoulders and I'm like drooling, feeling like after this, I'm going to go do some reps because <laughs> she just has the most beautiful shoulders. Can you take us back to your childhood? Um, just for a bit and just tell us a little bit about your childhood and really where this, you know, this, and we'll talk a little bit more about your journey as a single mom, which just really what set you up to be this incredibly strong, powerful woman, woman. Okay. Thank you. You know, it's funny when people would say to me, things happen for a reason. I would think back to my childhood and I would think, I'm sorry, but there's no effing reason that I should have been verbally, emotionally, physically and sexually abused by my own father. Like, I'm sorry, but there, what goddamn reason is there for that? And, you know, and then people say, well, I think you're micro-focusing. And this is even like therapists would say like, this is really awful that that happened to you, but more friends, more, more other women I would meet spiritually along the way. And I really did cut those type of people out of my life. But I have to say that now that I'm 56 and I look back to that little girl who was seven, I was abused for eight years. I did tell. I told my mom. I didn't tell her till I was 12. She had to make us stay. She had just finished being in, you know, what's now known as Cam H, but in a lockdown floor, major mental health issues. She was a teenage mom. She had me at 16 and she married my father. She wasn't strong enough to leave him. And you know, that might be another podcast. We've had our issues with that, but I've since forgiven her. But we lived for three more years there and it was hell. You know, if, if any of your listeners are survivors of incest or sexual abuse, all I can say is I know how that rips you to your core, how it reduces the foundation of your being to rubble. You have nothing to ground yourself. You have nothing to grow from. So you know, I once made a joke, oh yeah, I'm a dandelion. And I have to say that my ex-husband 
got really mad at me and said, don't you ever put yourself down again that you're a weed. And I go, no, no, no. But look, weeds grow from nothing. And he said, no, don't ever put yourself down. And I have to say that's probably the kindest thing he ever did other than give me two great daughters. But so that was my childhood. I was an incredibly accomplished kid. I was a straight A student. I was president of student councils. I was, you know, always doing. I was a, an elite gymnast. My family did not hurt for money. We weren't the, what people might think, you know, on the other side of the tracks. Quite the opposite. My father was an executive for Johnson & Johnson Baby Products. You know, it goes against everything that what people have in their minds I guess just from out of that, I wanted to get away from my family. I wanted to be nothing like them. I just always wanted to be liked though and try to help people. And it's funny because now as a coach, I am very comfortable saying to my clients, I respect you enough to allow you to dislike me, but this is the way we're, this is going to play out to get you to your goals. <laughs> so I've done a 180. It's something that you just said just made me think of an episode I did two episodes ago with a woman that has an eating disorder that was abused as a child as well. And she said the same thing as a child growing up. She just wanted to be liked. And so it's yeah. not funny, but it's similar but it, how you bring that up as well. Similar. Yes, because, you know, when your own parent doesn't like you enough, doesn't see you. I mean, he didn't see me as a person. My mom wasn't well enough, you know, to, to undergo that type of abuse. And if anybody has done any reading or work with people that have been sexually abused, especially with incest, it is the worst form of abuse that a child can undergo because it rips you out. Like you just don't have anything. And so going through high school, university, going into my 20s, progressing, I really started to appreciate what I had gone through and that I'm still standing and that I didn't wake up with a needle in my arm. I didn't have an eating disorder. Yes, I've had body dysmorphic things like, oh, I'm not good enough. It's funny, whenever I have felt poorly about myself, I would always go with, oh, I feel fat. I've never been that way. But it goes back to my gymnastics years where so identified with this perfect gymnast, this perfect student that the weekly weigh-ins, my coaches would be like, oh, you're up half a pound. Okay, now you're down a pound. And I realized these people didn't have any nutrition education, nothing. They should not have been doing that. And now that I am, right. But they were my role models at the time. They were the ones that actually gave me any kind of confidence. So it's not a surprise that I would go into a field where, you know, you clearly identify with your physicality. But now instead of looking at it as how I look, I do it as an empowerment. And, you know, just as a side note, my parents did get divorced and my father remarried and he remarried a woman that had young children. And I told her, you should never leave my father alone with your daughter. Like it's dangerous. And she said, oh, I know. He told me you're very mentally ill and that you would say something like that. Wow. And it is no surprise that I grew up with big muscles and my stepsister grew up to be a cop because she was abused as well. And the two of us, when I was 40 and she was 32, 34, had him arrested. And we withstood a 
three-year trial as grown women recanting what went on in our lives with him, that he was found guilty on all 18 counts and sent to prison. And he, at the time, so I'm 56 now, so 16 years, so 13 years ago, was sent for 15 years. And he is still serving time in a federal penitentiary. Wow. Yeah. So it's no, it's, I mean, we make the joke. She carries a gun. I have big muscles, but I don't really think it's a joke. I think that shaped us. Definitely. So would you say that someone's going to listen to this and be like, how can you ever forgive? Would you say that you, you obviously will never forget. Do you think part of you has forgave? Um, I would say that for my mother, 100%, I have forgiven her because all I needed her to say to me is I'm really sorry. I did the best I could, but my best wasn't good enough. But instead she would fight me and she would say, well, you don't realize what I had to go through. And I'm thinking, mom, no, that's not the way this goes. So we were estranged for 13 years. And when I look back, I realized that she was his first victim that we know about. She was a girl, a little girl, 15 years old, got pregnant, had me at 16. You know, he's six years older. She had zero tools. When I was having my daughters, I had education. I had financial support. You know, I had a a decent husband at the time. I mean, we had our own issues, but I mean, he's not a criminal. He didn't beat me, you know, things like that. But here we go. I was judging her harshly. And the minute that she said, you're right, I'm sorry, I let you down, it just went away. I mean, all my pain went away, all my my nightmares, my anger. So forgiving her was a blessing to myself. For him, he's wiped off the map as far as I'm concerned. I feel, it's weird, I feel absolutely zero emotion to where that person is involved because this is not about me. This is about him. He's a deeply flawed, sick individual. And other than getting, I think, some of his good parts, like his physicality, his intelligence, that's it. I'm nothing like him. And it's hard to say, like, have I forgiven him? No, not really. But I don't harbor any ill will. It's like, it's almost not even worth the energy to even exactly. think about it. Exactly. Like for me to be able to talk about this and not break down into tears and not be super emotional. I mean, I do have a little bit of fluttering inside. Like I do know that my heart rate's gone up a bit because it's such a wild story to my ears. Like how did I live through that? And come out like this on the other side. Yes. Because it could have gone, it could have gone very differently. But now I know that that was my purpose. It's those experiences that have made me be very relatable to a lot of women. Because unfortunately, when women have low self-esteem or they're struggling in life and they see somebody, especially on social media, showing that their life is great. And yes, I have a great life, but sometimes there's shitty parts to it at times, but I'm so grateful. They don't know the first 38 chapters of your life. They just see wow, she's 56 and she's fit and she is somebody who loves her and two great kids. And they don't know that I was in foster care. They don't know that I was an abused kid. So I try to to share that, but I'm not doing it to look for sympathy either. I'm not trying to say like, hey, you know, I got help along the way. Yeah. Let's get you some help. You deserve to be happy. So how would you say you would be able to 
or how were you able to trust a man after that? Because after that, you got married. It's funny, you know, I did. I, I married right out of school and I married somebody that I thought was superior to me. So I was grateful. And I realized that he was just normal, just normal, a little controlling, you know, uh, not overly respectful in that he did cheat on me, but we had marital issues. I did not enjoy our sexual life together. Like, honestly, I had two kids. Okay, I'm good. Like, what are my chances? And you were yeah. how old then? You were... Oh, I was young. I had Lauren, I had my second, sorry, at um, 28. So that would have been like your peak kind of... Like, he's like, what are my chances tonight? Negative 10,000. True story. That's how I talked to this man. And you know, we just did everything wrong in our marriage. We never really got help until it was too late. I never stood up for myself until it was too late. And then he couldn't take this person who was wanting to go back to school and create a career. But my therapist at the time said, you have a, an exceptionally high tolerance for abuse. So you have to be careful with, your, with the men that you engage in relationships with, you know? So, yeah. and she was 100% right. Because you could have been with somebody that was like mildly abusive, but it would have been nothing in comparison. So you probably would have thought you were winning. Right. And you know what? Given the few tools that I had and the poor experience I had, the only thing that saved me, I think, when looking for a man is my mom was really fortunate to have found my stepfather about a year later after my parents split up. And he, to this day, is to me, my dad. He has been a wonderful grounding force in our life. They, my parents have been together for 40 years now, my mom wow. and stepdad. And, you know, I could see that men could be in a house and you could walk around in a t-shirt and underwear and that parental figure could care less and not even look at you. So I'm grateful for that. It was a blessing, a huge blessing. Huge blessing. So as much as I've had shit in my life, I've also had somebody in the universe looking out for us. Like, so I'm grateful for that, you know? And yeah, I've had my trust issues, definitely. But that's what therapy is for. And I'm a very, very honest person, meaning that I will accept it when I'm being called out on my shit and I will do the hard work. That's probably why people are so open to get that from you when you're coaching them. Yeah. <laughs> You then got married and then you got divorced and you were a single mom for a long time. So if you could talk a little bit to that and for any single moms that are going to listen to this, because that's what our first conversation was, because you're such an inspiration. You did it for such a long time alone. I did. Yeah. I raised them alone. I have to give my ex-husband credit in that he never made me once ask for money, which I know a lot of women. I know what a huge stress relief that was. He left the country. He moved to the United States shortly after we separated. Um, the girls were seven and four at the time. They're now grown women with their own careers and homes. So yeah, 13, no, not, is it 13 years? No, it's more than that. It's 23 years. What am I talking about? 23 years. And so financial stress, never had to worry. My girls were able to go to summer camps. They were able to engage in things. So I was lucky from that and I was grateful. And I made sure that the girls knew that we wouldn't have that if it weren't for their dad being a successful executive. We really wouldn't. 
But what I know I gave them because I never had weekends off because he lived in the States. I never had one night off in the week was grounding and the foundation. You know, I do apologize to them. And I've said this many times. I know I screwed you up with my overprotectiveness, wondering if dads were going to be in the home over sleepovers. I needed to see the parents. I needed to look the man in the eye. You know, those type of things. I needed to talk ad nauseum about you understand what is acceptable and what isn't. We don't ever keep secrets. Like, you know, I was that parent. I was the parent that said, when you get to school, you must text me. And if you don't, I'm going to be sick with worry. And I remember one day my youngest didn't text me when she got home from school. I went ballistic. I was on the gym floor and I, and I kept checking my phone, checking my phone. And finally I said to my client, I'm sorry, I got to go. My daughter has not texted me. I went to the school. They said, well, that's funny. We don't even think we know if she wasn't in class. I was calling my ex-mother-in-law. Have you heard from her? Her sister. I was in a panic. What do I see as I'm walking to my car? There she is in the field doing cartwheels with her girlfriends. And as usual, she had allowed her phone battery to die. So I understand that feeling as a, a single mom that the responsibility is so huge. You know, but I, I said to her, I need to know where you are because we need to establish a timeline. And she goes, a timeline? I go, yes, when I have to call the police. And I remember one of my clients being a therapist saying, oh my God, Deborah, you did not say that. And I go, I used to say it every day. And she goes, but that's damaging. That's fear mongering. I said, I don't care. I was not protected as a child. I am going to protect these girls. So, oh, she was probably 12, 13 at the time. How you know? old were they when, when you told them about your childhood? I believe that they were around 13 and 10. And I told only to what they asked. Because one day my youngest one said, how come we never hear about your dad? Yeah. And I said, because I don't see him and he wasn't a good dad. So I don't want him to be in our lives. So she goes, he was a bad dad. And I was, yeah, he's a really bad dad. Well, like, did he get mad at you and stuff? And I go, yes. Did he used to yell at you and say, you're stupid, you're ugly, clean your room? And I go, oh yeah. And the look on her face told me that that was all she needed to know. So I just shut up. It was organic. I remember having a conversation with them in the car one day. They were both in their teen years and I don't remember which one said something about a girl. And I said, well, what do you mean? And basically she was repeating a slut shaming type of conversation that she had with her friends. So I said to them, you know, I asked them a lot of questions and I go, what do you think a girl gets out of giving guys blowjobs at parties? Like, think about that. What, what, what is she going to get out of that? And they both were like, ew, I don't know. It's gross. And I go, exactly. You don't think that she might be thinking that? You don't know what goes on in somebody's world. Right. And so I told them that I didn't care if somebody loved me or not before I would sleep with them, you know, in my later teen years. Like, I didn't care. Like, if, you, if you're going to show me that you, this is the way you're going to show me that you care about me and love me, then okay. You know, and I'm by no means was I promiscuous, but it was, they were just like, oh, and I said, you never know. And maybe she does really enjoy it. And maybe she feels empowered, but don't you dare as another female judge what another female does with her body, with her time and with her choices. 
and my girls, I am so proud of them because they started saying things to me like, you know, so-and-so was complaining and saying that they had a bad life. And I was saying, our mom had the worst life and she never, ever uses that as an excuse. So they got it. And when the trial came around, they were, oh yeah, like one was at university. The other one was in her late teens, like high school. They heard it all. I said, you may ask me any question that you want and I will be honest and answer it. I have to, I have to commend you because I have a 13-year-old daughter and it's such a challenging age, regardless of any other circumstances, to mother because there's like the hormonal changes and there's the questions. And I just got an email from, because she goes to Catholic school. So they're going to be doing Fully Alive and they're going to be talking about all these different like sexual things. So, and it's just like, oh, how do you even like talk to her about it? And so that kind of comes up. So I can't even imagine like, you know, mothering these two girls through that tough age, regardless of circumstances with everything that you had gone through, just make it seem so, I mean, it doesn't, I'm sure it didn't seem men, but just like effortless almost, you know what I mean? Like, you know, so I have to commend you, definitely. Thank you. And this is something that I've said numerous times throughout my life. And I have to say that I am not being cliche. They healed me. These young authentic females that would run around our house naked. Like we were the three musketeers. They would run around naked. They would ask me questions. They would read women's, like they loved buying Cosmo magazine. And they would ask me these embarrassing questions that I would be in the kitchen going, oh, I don't want to answer that, but I don't want to be a liar. And I go, okay, give it to me in a sentence. Like, tell me the context, (laughs) you know? Just watching how young women were supposed to be so free to sleep with their, like naked without having to be worried about locking their bedroom doors. I can't even tell you what, how proud I was that I gave them an environment. Like, yeah, okay, your parents are divorced. You're not hungry. You got a roof over your head. You live in one of the nicest neighborhoods of Toronto and you don't have to work when you go to bed at night. Like to me, it was, mothering was easy. It was the mothering of myself and being nicer to myself that was hard. They were loving them was great. You know, I mean, like every other mother who doesn't think that their kids are the smartest, the most beautiful, the greatest. So let's talk about fitness because people are going to hear you had just said a few minutes ago that you're 56 and they're going to see your picture in the show notes <laughs> and, and they're going to be like, hey, there's no way she is 56 years old. So let's talk about fitness and how okay. that journey began. Uh, well, like I said, I was a, an elite uh, gymnast for many years and decided to take my academic career in the form of like doing business. Lasted two years, hated it, and really went back to my roots. I just love to move. So, you know, I started off teaching Group X classes. And at the time, there was no certification. There was no, there was nothing. There was, there was no fitness industry. So when I started to, to think it's like the in, biggest one now. I know. And I've been, so I've been doing this for 30, well, close to 35 years. So when the US came out with their first certifications, I wanted to, because as anybody that knows that when you're a type A and you've been abused in your background, you're an overachiever. So you don't just get one US certification, you get three. So I did that. And then when the Canadian certifications came in at the time, I was so lucky. All I had to do was show my American ones. And there were only wealthy people had one-on-one fitness trainers. Real, And now you can work at, you could be a cashier somewhere and everybody has a trainer. You know, Mm -hmm. like it's not, it's an industry that is oversaturated, but also it's an industry that can bear 
oversaturation because, you know, when people get into fitness, they love it. So I just work my butt off to build up a reputation as being authentic, honest, and delivering results. I always delivered results. And, you know, whether it was, I'm not going to say that I have a training technique that is a secret sauce. I think it was my ability to connect with my clients, whether they were male or female. Mm -hmm. You knew if you were a male client that if you behave like a silly bugger, you were going to get fired. And I made that very clear, you know, like, are you married? Yes. Okay. You do things or you tell me things that could harm that marriage. I go on her schedule A and you're paying for me to train her. And they were, the men were <laughs> like, that. so yeah, because I'm all pro women and I'm not against men at all. I just realize that as a woman aging, I could relate to women better. I don't want to hear about guys problems. Like, no, sorry. I don't care. <laughs> and so I just, I turned 40 I'm 42. So I turned 40 a couple of years ago. So I fully resonate with everything that you're talking about because you work mostly with women over 40. So you had said something about how losing fat begins with regulating your hormones. So can you talk a little bit about that, especially the stress hormone cortisol? Okay, sure. By the time a woman hits 40 to 45, and of course, this is a generalization, but she's had some life experience. She's lived. She maybe has raised a family or has helped raise a family, either as a step parent or, you know, co parenting, maybe has elderly parents, has been trying to build a career or, you know, hold down two jobs to put food on the table. So by this age, you're doing a lot of things. And you've also probably learned that there's not enough hours in the day to do everything and to still try to be a good person partner, parent, child to your elderly parents. So you put yourself on the back burner and you sweep it under the rug. And for women that have always sort of naturally had a nice body, you know, they're the ones that are sometimes hit the hardest because they don't understand. Like I'm not doing anything differently. Why am I gaining all this belly fat? Why am I, why is my body betraying me and changing (laughs) like this? And it's a couple of things. Yeah, the stress hormone, sure. Maybe you have too much. Maybe you don't have enough, you know, and some women have both. They cycle through peaks and valleys and that would have to be confirmed with blood work. And if you're lucky enough to get in to see a good functional medicine doctor, I strongly recommend that if that's what you think. But it's not only just the cortisol, it's that you have likely not lifted or done any type of resistance training with regularity to maintain your muscles. So you're losing muscle every year Mm. after the age of 30. Your weight may have stayed the same, but you've replaced, you know, say 10 pounds of fat with 10 pounds, sorry, 10 pounds of muscle with 10 pounds of fat or five with five. It doesn't matter, but you are changing. And then the last thing is, ladies, whether you love your wine and you want to make a joke about it, I'm not giving up my wine. I'm not giving up. Well, then you know, give up on the dream of being able to wear whatever you want because you got to make changes. I'm not saying you can't drink wine. I'm not saying there's nothing I'm saying that says you have to be carb free, but you got to start looking at starting your day with protein. You've got to realize that protein is your biggest, best friend. And that if you do want to have glasses of wine, you have to learn how to make the trade-offs. You can't just eat and drink the way you want and not exercise, you know, but what it was, a lot of women do, I shouldn't say most, what a lot of women do 
is they go, oh, I got to get rid of this. So they do the two worst things they can. They start restricting their food intake and they crank up their cardio. Well, all cardio is going to do is make you tired. It's going to make that stress hormone cortisol go crazy. It's going to muscle waste faster. And then now you're restricting. So your body's going, holy shit, thanks a lot. Like what's happening to me? You are pushing me to my end. I'm burning the candle at both ends and you're not even damn well feeding me. I was going to say, yeah. It shuts down. It slows down. So it's the perfect storm and you're giving it the perfect recipe to keep that storm going where everything that you're doing, you need to be doing the opposite. And so many women cannot wrap their heads around that. You know, the six spin classes a week that you could do at 35 are going to kick you in the ass at 45, 47. Forget about it at 55. And I think a lot of, not even just women, just people in general don't, they don't know that because they've always kind of gravitated towards cardio. So that's still their go-to. Oh, and they'll use it as an excuse. I've heard it all. Oh no, I need it for my mental health. Okay. So go for 20 minutes and go as hard as you can. Redline it. I don't care. 20 minutes, but then, but you must have engaged in resistance training, but then go for a walk, learn how to meditate, learn how to reduce your stress without having to harm yourself. It's almost like they need to like, how do I punish myself the most, you know, and then wear it like a badge of honor. Like whenever I do the Peloton app, I laugh my head off when that instructor is going and a big shout out to, I don't know, like, Barbells and spin wheel. <laughs> She's now doing her 12,000 class, you know? <laughs> like, I'm like, what the hell? Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's also this ideology that if you do cardio, you can eat whatever you want because you're and just going to burn it off. Wrong. If you want to eat whatever you want, resistance train and build muscle because muscle's metabolically active. You know, that's going to burn it. But sure, if you were engaging in two hours of cardio a day, There will be a time where you can eat and eat, but the body is always adapting. That's its job. It needs to adapt to its surroundings and its stimulus. So that two hours of cardio will never have the effect on you as it did when you first started. So now what are you going to do? Three hours of cardio? (laughs) You can do four hours of cardio, right? They're going to do their 15,000 millionth. Like the gerbil on the wheel. And you're going to be so unhappy. So tell us what will you do with Lady the F up? Oh yeah, isn't that a great name? I'm so happy, <laughs> Lady the F up. So when I was prepping, I'm like, how do I like make this like not? <laughs> I know. And I was like, Lady I the F up. <laughs> really careful with my language. I've been like watching my words. I don't want to get bleeped out because it was like that low class woman. Look at her, <laughs> Lady the F up. We are an online women only coaching company. We're the we're like the number one in the world. We have clients all over the world, and our platform is. It doesn't matter whether you need to lose body fat, gain muscle, both. You want to prep for a show. You want to prep for a photo shoot. You just want to feel good. We're the, we're your coaches. We work off, we have our own app. You get, everything is tailored to you. There's nothing cookie cutter about it. So when I start with a client, it's always, okay, but like, tell me how, like, what's my food going to be like, say like three weeks from now? I go, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Like they're they're mad. I go, well, I don't know how your body's gonna respond. I need to see what you're doing. I need to, I need the biofeedback. I need to look at you, your pictures. I need to read what you're doing. I need to see that you're eating what you're supposed to do and doing your resistance training. And then they get it. They're like, oh, because most programs are cookie cutter. 
they get you started at say 1200 calories, but you're five foot nine and 175 pounds, you're eating the same as the five foot four, you know, 130 pound woman. Like it's, that's ridiculous. So I think that's why we've had such great success and we are the number one because by the time people find us, they really have tried everything. And we're a really nice community. We're, you're not allowed to be part of our community if you're a mean woman. <laughs> well, I'm sure you wouldn't even attract that anyways. No, you know, we've had the odd woman try to get a little bit, you know, because that, I think that sometimes women forget and they've said comments and we're just like, no, you can't say that here. This is yeah. not what we're about. We don't, like if somebody said, yeah, well, you think you've got it so tough. This is what I have to do. And we're like, no, 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 no. Because perception is reality. Yeah. You know? So yeah, it's great. It's my dream job. I'm no longer on a gym floor, obviously, because we're in lockdown, but I did resign from being oh, a Congratulations. Gym. Thank you. And I'm having a ball. I'm busier than I've ever been. And I'm having a ball. I love all my clients and I love my colleagues. So it's, it's all done virtually, obviously. It is. It's all done virtually. Yes. And it does open up again, the world and gyms are open. We do allow our online clients if they would like to come in for one complimentary training session. We have our own gym, which is part of Hammer Fitness. And then if they did want to do personal training on the side, they can once the world opens up. But that's not really what we're about. We're more about online because, I mean, I can't train my clients that are in BC. I have clients in the United States. Like, you can't. So... You know, we use the Zoom platform, we send videos, everything is, you know, state of the art. So I actually, I said this to a client today because we were on Zoom, obviously. And I said, even I think when the world kind of goes to back to some, it's new normality, I think people are still going to do a lot of things from home the way that they, we have been over the last year, because we're just so used to it. Now we're in our routine. So I don't think people are going to like, uh, go I think you fall right. back into a lot of the same habits that they did. Well, I think there's gyms are going to have to basically pull magic to get people to come back and there won't be so many. Well, people are getting the same results at home Well, or even better. It's going to be a buyer's market. Like you look at Peloton, right? I have clients that have the Peloton, the Peloton app. They're doing it. Plus they have me and they're happy. They go, I don't need to spend it by a gym membership. I've got everything I need. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's going to be like that in a lot of different areas. So what would be three tips that you would give any woman that regardless of age, but I guess predominantly more women over 35, 40, that they could start doing tomorrow that would make a difference just in general over health, health and wellness, not even just so much like fitness, but even just mental health. Okay. So first thing women should realize that what they did in their 20s and early 30s will either come back to help them as they get older or can harm them if it's, they've established really bad habits. So the first thing you want to do as a woman is really understand how you're eating and what works for you, but making sure that you're getting plenty of protein and that can be in any form. It can be a plant-based protein or if you eat everything. The second thing is to use exercise as a way to make your body feel good and to be strong, not to punish yourself. You know, you should be engaging in exercise and be grateful that you are not saying, oh, I have to exercise. You know, I once said, I don't remember who said this to me, but I remember once saying, oh, I hate my legs are so fat and I don't have fat legs. But somebody said to me, be grateful you have legs at work. 
There are people in wheelchairs. And I remember being so damn embarrassed. And that has stuck with me. So yes, be grateful that you can exercise. A walk is even better in some cases than a run because it's less pounding on your joints. You can enjoy being outside. You know, get your heart rate up a bit, breathe and get lost in a podcast or a book or talk to somebody as you're going. But so I've talked about habits. I've said about exercise, taking care of yourself or your nutrition. And then the last thing is, you know, I'm not big on supplements. I really do think that you should get it from your food. But women, we need our omega-3s. We need to be taking magnesium. We need to have vitamin D. Especially now. Yeah, especially now. And look at um, a good multi and making sure that your iron stores are up because that all affects your mental health as well. People don't realize, I mean, your gut health, you know, taking care of your gut health, there's a direct link. So again, going back to your nutrition, making sure that um, it's on par. And then that's my fourth supplement, a probiotic. How did I forget that? <laughs> probiotic, because you want to make sure you have a healthy gut. Amazing sound. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. Yeah, I think we kind of maybe make it we, harder we, than... Yeah, we do. We, we make complicated. it complicated. Yeah. And really, right. my goal as a coach is to help people really... I don't want you forever. I want you as a client to get you on your way. And then I want to give you a nice, swift, loving kick in the butt out the door. <laughs> and you can go out and be free and just keep doing it, right? So... It just becomes like a lifestyle versus yeah. something that you have to do. It's just a lifestyle that you've acquired. If I could have a visual in my head of what how I like my business to look like, you know, in revolving doors, those big ones in department stores, like they're yeah. really super heavy. That's what I want. And for people to think like, okay, this is going to be hard to push this. But once I get that opening and I know how to do it, boom, I'm free to go. And that's how I kind of see what I do. It, you know, get you in, get you on, on the right track, set you free. <laughs> so is there anything as we're coming to a close that you're getting as a download that's resonating with you to share, regardless of what it is that you're being called to share? Oh, um, well, one thing I'll share about business is we have our really popular 60-day yeah. challenge coming up. It starts on May 30th. It's our 10th. So we're giving away $10,000 in uh, cash and prizes for the best transformation. And many people feel that the transformation means you have to look like a bikini competitor and you don't. This isn't airing, this podcast isn't airing for a few days and we're going, right? So we're going to be announcing the winner of the last challenge. And I actually coached the winner of our last challenge. And this was a very overweight young woman who did tremendous, not only internal changes in her mindset, but external. And I basically made her cry every day, not by being mean to her though, but by telling her that she needed to love herself more, that she was a role model for her two children. And that wouldn't it break your heart if your daughter grew up and hated herself the way you say you hate yourself. So that's my message to women. I need you to love yourself. Just to go back a bit, in in retrospect to everything you had gone through, do you think in some ways it has made you a better coach? It has 100% made me a better coach. It's made me a better coach because I never loved that little girl. I legally changed my name to Bash when I got married because I was so embarrassed of my maiden name, which is Stia. I can say that now. I never could say it. 
And it really wasn't until I actually envisioned what it must have been like to be that seven-year-old little girl and nobody giving her a hug. And then I loved myself. I mean, honestly, I love myself. I only ever go, oh, I'm not as good looking as I thought when I see like up close in a mirror, but I have self-esteem coming out of my ears. Like (laughs) you should. (laughs) I worked so hard for it. But I'm I mean, I'm not cocky. I'm just like, yeah, I screw up. Why wouldn't I love myself? We all deserve that. I fought hard for it. And I really want to help other women fight hard for it too. I love so much that you talk about the inner child shadow work because it's such important work that a lot of I would say majority of people don't even know it's a thing. So I love I thought it was bullshit when I first started. I was so uncomfortable because I would well up inside. I was so afraid of the emotion. Now I just think I look at pictures of myself. Oh my God, I was so cute. Like I really (laughs) was this tiny, cute little thing that just wanted to be liked. And I really like that little kid. You know, I mean, I like who she's grown up to be. I love that. This is so powerful. So the challenge, where can people reach you? Where can they start on the challenge? Oh, we, um, okay. We have a website www.fullwordlady, the T-H-E, just F up.com. We also are on Instagram or you can find me on Instagram and DM me. I'm coach underscore Deborah underscore bash. And we'll put all of that on the show notes for sure as well. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much. I thank you, honestly, just thank you for being open and vulnerable because you just share so much light and inspire so many people with that. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. I didn't have a role model like this when I was growing up or when I was in my 20s. In fact, I had the opposite. I had older women being mean to me, you know, women being catty, women being competitive. And I just, I mean, I know that that still goes on, but I'm just never going to be that woman. I'm just, you know... I'm going to be the woman that says, man, I love your, you know, your hair, or I think you look fantastic in that outfit. And I've had people look at me like I'm crazy. I've embarrassed my daughters, but I just think if it needs to be said, you say it. But it's it's such incredible energy because that's just going to get returned back to you. So, and that's, you know, I'm sure part of the reason why you have so much success in your career. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. I've been blessed with um, meeting some incredible women and I've been blessed with meeting women that I'm like, whoa, you trigger me. I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, whoa, I need, I just, when you think you've got it all figured out, Deborah, you need to go do a little bit more inner work because you are making me angry. And you know, so it's, yeah. it's a blessing in disguise. <laughs> but it's work that we have to continuously do. That's why there's amazing coaches. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, Deborah. Such a pleasure. Um, okay. Thank you, everyone. Bye.